September 8th, 2017, and please nerf Necrophos, I'm Colin Detmar. And I'm Nick Cease. Welcome back to Bottle Crow, or a Dota 2 podcast, and we're going to talk about Dota 2 to you on a podcast. How has your Dota 2 been lately, Nick? How, how has Dota treated you? How has Dota treated me? I'm back to 3.5k. It was good. I like dipped, dipped a few hundred below. Been slowly solo queuing, and now I'm back. Played some good team games, I think. I've been doing some casting, some... 82L casting for some of our our Dota 2 friend group. That was that's been exciting. There was playoffs this week for them. Uh, Havarti is their team, so I casted that and they did well. That was fun. Yeah, I uh, I had some. I watched the second game in that series that you were casting, mm-hmm. and I had some frustrations there. But I don't want to. I don't want to call anyone out on air. Let's just say that they made. There were some questionable. They picked choices. a Wind Ranger mid. I was. I was hyped. It. We'll have to get. They you did. That's true. Time too. Yeah. That's true. They did pick a Wind Ranger mid. They did. That's true. Wind Ranger out there. <laughs> I see you. Enough said. I see you. Enough said. <laughs> Immediately after that, you're like, oh, maybe let's not record tonight. Let's just, I need to get this bad Wind Ranger taste out of my mouth. And you picked Wind Ranger mid and don't don't know if that worked out. For I mean, it didn't, but I did better than. <laughs> but you played and that's what mattered. It's that you I almost out farmed our anime mage. I did okay. It, only because our anime mage also didn't have a great game either due to their lineup. Sure, sure. It's all about but. the effort you put in to your, your mid laner relationship. Speaking of relationships, love is in the air in Dota, r slash Dota 2 this week. It's all about the love, Colin. I mean, love or... Love and marriage. I... Okay, hold I, up a fucking second. I immediately second. know what I just set off. <laughs> you immediately just regret this I, decision. I immediately regret my decision. Because that fucking song is like one of the most untrue things that Frank Sinatra has ever said. No matter how he means it, he's completely wrong. Oh, yes. It's It's a dumb song. You can either mean love as in like romantic love or you can mean love like sex. And in either case, he's wrong in every single possible way. There is literally not a single true thing he says in that entire fucking song. I'm sorry. I mean, perhaps the second thing he says, like marriage, it's good to have love as a prerequisite. If you're going to have a carriage, it's probably more useful to have a horse with it. Unless you're calling But we like, have horseless carriages now because they're cars. But you don't really call that a carriage. And also, I guess you could call a rickshaw a carriage. But what are you doing with your life? It's like, it's, oh, here, let's go hire a, a carriage. We'll have this guy on bike run us around in a carriage. No. That sounds great. It's a rickshaw. Also, people ride horses without carriages all the well, goddamn yes, time. Yes, but that's the first, it's like <laughs> the first thing implies the second thing. But the second thing doesn't imply the first. Uh, it's a disaster. We've had two big marriages in the Dota community. Uh, first of all, Slacks... You can't have one, you can't have none. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Slacks just got married yesterday, and he streamed his wedding because why Why not? I don't know. This has to be one of the, the highest profile Twitch-streamed marriages, I would assume. I haven't done my research on this claim, like most of our claims, but yep, for a while they, they streamed the ceremony. They had this... Like, great production value. They had a camera set up inside the, like, chapel or wherever they were getting married. And then they had, like, a cell phone cam or something with the, the groom's party. And, like, Purge was carrying it around, like, telling Mott how to use the camera. <laughs> it, was, it was great. There was a bunch of Dota people there. And then there was just, you know, actual family <laughs> and friends of theirs, too, as well. It was, a, it, was, it was a bold move by Slacks, that's for sure. But it was nice. It was, you know, they were doable together. And then yeah, also, it was, a, it was a very slacks move. Yeah. Also, on Twitter, found out from Cyborg Matt and some other people that Puppy got married. I think yesterday too, <laughs> and like mm-hmm. Zai and Kuro were there, and they were all looking fresh. They were they were adorable as well. Yeah, I I don't know. I I have complicated feelings about like you know it's it's Slacks' business. He could stream whatever the fuck he wants, but I don't know. There's I I don't like the idea of streaming weddings to just random people personally. Um, what? I don't know. Cause if I feel like, like, I mean, I don't, I feel like it should be kind of a private affair. I'm not like, like, not like fucking, you know, like dead of the night, you know, like cloaks in the woods <laughs> kind of private, but just like, like, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't like the idea of it being a public spectacle, personally. And this, and that goes for like, listen, that goes for like celebrities and shit too. Like, I don't fucking like. I don't want to hear about. I don't know. Fucking J J Lo. Is that a popular reference? I don't know. When, when don't... was the last time J Lo got married? J Lo marriage. <laughs> I just can, like some sort of anime thing came up when I just hold J Lo. Mm, nope, no, but now it's it's now vanished into the auto suggest. Jennifer Lopez. Uh, when was she last? Spouses. Oh nope, she got divorced in 2014. She was married to Mark Anthony of uh, Shakespeare fame for a decade. Anyway, point is, I just I don't I don't know. I also don't like going to marriages, so I guess that's the other part. Is like I watch a little bit of the stream of this marriage, and I'm just like, man, weddings suck. <laughs> Huh, okay. I mean, I, I would never so, do it, but I have no moral objection to other people doing uh, it. Not a, not a more, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's like, I'm not, no, okay. I'm not trying to just call flax out here okay. or anything. It's just sort of like, mm, I don't know, man. I thought it was great. I, I thought it was nice. He's like, hey, you guys, if, you know, if he, <laughs> he was like thanking Twitch chat. I don't know, he doesn't really think that, but like, you know. Just generally his popularity is like, hey, if this never happened, then this wedding would have been like $50 in, you know, the DMV or something. And it was, sure. it was interesting. And I mean, hey, if, if your spouse is good with that, if you're good with that, just, you know, casually good for slacks. That was fun. Sure. Rock on. Speaking of l- love is in the air. Oh, oh this is going to be good. Uh, what of these topics can I transition to with that? <laughs> You're just frantically scanning through the Google Doc. How about we start in chronological or chronological? How how about we go top to bottom? It's a radical sure. new thing we're gonna try in this sure. podcast. We'll try it out. We'll get feedback. So, uh, Kuroki published a uh, an article actually on the Players Tribune, which I hadn't heard of before, but I guess it's uh, sort of like an esports like writing, you know, articles and such website. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about, you know, TI7 and winning and, and the process of going through the tournament for Liquid and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good, a good article. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because we don't very often get to see like players. Uh, I, I, people have specific kill, skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. And generally players like they're, they're amazing, you know, obviously at playing the game and often they're really smart people. They're just not super good at expressing themselves so we don't get to see a lot of right of course so we don't get to see a lot of like a lot of great interviews with players a lot of the time interviews with players are kind of stiff or like you don't get great like pieces of writing from them um and you know this like listen i'm not trying to hype this up as like oh man you know writing of the year but this is a really like engaging piece yeah yeah it was very well written by crow I thought there was this really interesting part. Like a lot of it's just sort of like like interesting to read about like you know the I mean, you know ti ti yeah. nerves and stuff. He talks about you know how they they lost their first round. It's like oh shit, we got one free loss and we've already burned it. And he mm-hmm. talks about how he as the captain realized he had to step up. He's like you know for the <laughs> for the you know first or very rarely I ever do this. I like raised my voice at my team and stuff and like oh shit guys, Crow's getting loud. You better pay attention. I was like hey, it's cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Talked about how you know GH is his first TI and stuff. How he was nervous and it's like yeah, of course it's just like the things a captain has to to think about and deal with. Yeah. But there was this part that really stood out to me where uh, he writes, okay, let's see, um, you know, he had he had the satisfaction of winning. He was talking about the experience of winning and, you know, how amazing that was. Yeah. Um, and then after these initial emotions started to settle, I began to feel something strange. I have spent seven years trying to win the international. It's been my sole pursuit for my entire adult life. Every day has been spent trying to get better at Dota 2. Reviewing tape, scrimming other teams, going over strategies, theorycraft builds, every day. Now, I was finally here, and shockingly, I felt a little bit empty, almost depressed. There was a vague sense of darkness inside me, like something familiar had gone missing. I was confused by that feeling. And I think this is... He he goes on and, and talks a little bit more about it and sort of some of his, his process of trying to overcome it a little bit. He doesn't go into that too much because the article wraps up yeah. after that. I think this is what happens to literally everyone who wins the international. I think this is what happens to literally anyone who wins anything. 
Like mm-hmm. this is this is a well, that's that's certainly too broad. <laughs> if I if you you know you win a tiny award, it doesn't matter. But it's when you're in something like this, especially in pro sports, your career might not last that long. Or you know if it does, and you're like a top tier competitor, you're that way because you're obsessed with this like this is your passion this is what you do and so if you win the world cup or something like you accomplish something it's like well (laughs) everything you know you've been motivated by this for how long like you've been striving towards this goal for how long it's crazy in your life and i can understand that you know you wouldn't it would be a weird feeling i mean he says his his teammates you know felt the same and i can certainly understand that Mm mm-hmm I feel like it's also just a case of there being like the the like the the bar to be like I'm trying to figure out how to express this. Like if you let's let's we'll take League of Legends cuz that's a really easy comparison to make, right? If you win their big tournament worlds in League of Legends, that doesn't make you the most successful team ever. In Dota, if you win the international, given the increasing size of prize pools and the fact that no one has won two internationals, you are immediately the most successful team ever. You are immediately the pinnacle of Dota. If you win Worlds for League of Legends, congratulations. Right. Yeah, like, congratulations. SK Telecom won it like six times. There's still someone greater, there's still something to reach for. And we don't have that because no one's gone above TI before. No one's gone. No one's been a repeat winner. No one's had a streak. The closest we've had now is, I guess, what Liquid did, which is the three owing in grand finals. So maybe someone next year will will three one, and they'll be like, "Oh, but we didn't three zero. But like, it feels like it feels like the like you get to the top of the mountain and there's nothing higher and in a lot of other fields there is something high. and you know like it still hard doesn't mean to actually reach the top there's no right clear point. right like there's a second mountain or something um and like you know how much like i think i think the second mountain comparison works cuz there's a lot of people who are going to say whatever i climbed the fucking mountain i don't need to climb another one right like yeah. there are people who 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 win worlds and they aren't going to go but i didn't win it six times they'll be like <laughs> but i fucking won worlds i don't care i won worlds but there's not i don't know like for a while it looked like back in the day it looked like navi was going to be that team right that was just yeah. sort of like but they just never they never hit it um and so we don't have this like this monument to what like truly incredible success can look like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean so. other teams advance beyond them. Like everybody kept just getting way, way, way better. Mm-hmm. And it's, we haven't really had any stagnation like that. I mean, how many majors have OG won at this point and they're not you know <laughs> they didn't even make it to the finals of TI, so they're still super disappointed. Yeah. They're, they're still super hungry, more like. So, I don't know. I think... I, I I hope that they can find a way to proceed and feel good about themselves. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they are. They, he talks about at the end how, like, hey, I, okay, I want to win next TI. I got my next goal. But, like, I mean, of course, you're not going to end by saying, like, I don't know what... Like, it does, You're not going to end with, what are we fighting for? <laughs> like, that's not how you end that article. No. Like, he's a good enough writer that I don't know... He's a good enough writer that I don't know if I can trust that. I know that he mm. intellectually thinks that. I don't know if he feels that. And I'm not trying to accuse him yeah. of being a liar. I mean, I don't know if you can but like, after, like, winning. I don't know if you can be like, okay, guys, let's go. I mean, you're going to enjoy your victory and stuff, and... Sure. It's just what happens after these these big high impact events in your field. I don't know. I felt like like Wings definitely stayed hungry. Um, mm-hmm. Wings continued to dominate afterwards and still was working their asses off, know. or at least it seemed like it. Not very long but, though. Well, because they fucking yeah, got disbanded. That's not their fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I just I hope that there's there's more to it yeah. i hope that i hope that they they do find what to fight for and i i i would love for someone to set the standard to be the team that everyone looks up to even after you win ti because i think that'll be healthy for us yeah it's always nice to have more stability for sure on okay. the opposite end of stability i'm gonna bring up eternal envy Woo. 
there's been lots of, you know, people talking, you know, in this little lull of Dota that we have. Dota people have been talking everywhere, you know, Kerr writes an article. Uh, I saw, I think yesterday or today on Reddit, Eternal Envy was on another Dota 2 podcast, uh, Defense of the Patients. I uh, was maybe Roland interviewing him. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I don't listen to too much. Happy. But he had like a, a nice lengthy interview and he talked about like how his year in Dota has gone and <laughs> what's gone on with, you know, the roster changes and NP becoming C9, becoming dead. And that was also interesting to hear. I mean, EE, not the most articulate person, but, you know, <laughs> they did a good job interviewing him and stuff. And it was interesting to to talk about like, you know, how he was struggling with NP really to find sponsors and how it wasn't necessarily hurting their performance that he also had to deal with the business side of things, but he didn't want to directly say that, but you know, <laughs> he probably didn't want to spend time on the business stuff. He wants to spend time being better at Dota. And he talked a lot about how team synergy was really the thing that like the reason he left secret basically, because you know, NP, not a big org, not really an org at all, so he didn't have a salary or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But he didn't really care. And I mean, he's, he said this before, that's nothing new, but he talked about how, you know, his players kind of <laughs> kind of wanted something like that. And it, it was interesting to hear EE himself talk about the pros and cons of being with an org, why he left Secret, that not necessarily airing out the issues that teams have had, but talking about how, hey, if your team doesn't have synergy, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, you're just, it's hard, even if you have these players who do certain amazing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, like, I don't know, I feel like I'm, I've am i gotten, like, I don't know, I, this isn't, this isn't an amazing prediction on my part, right? I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but, like, back when Cloud9, um, well, when when, when NP Cloud became Nine Cloud Nine, Nine. Yeah. right? And I was like, "This is not what EE wanted." I promise. This is because the players, his players, wanted it, and he wanted to give them something. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just that's because EE is such a not like such an open book. That's a weird way to put it, but like he's so honest and earnest in his ambitions in Dota yeah. that I, you really like. You can really see where he's coming from in a lot of things, and it's something that I really value about him. You know. Yeah. I mean, they had a few sponsors, and they said, I think, a few episodes, a, a while ago, probably at this point, we talked about how, hey, they they had stopped losing money on NP, and like they had a few mm-hmm. sponsors, but in this interview on .p, he talked about he didn't really have the kind of sponsors you want, like you didn't have a, a HyperX or something where you have these multi-year long contracts. It right, just, stability. Yeah, and he, talked, he had talked to people, and it's like, that's really what you need to have like your team be stable and your org be stable, and... You know, they had Cloud9 and stuff, but they just didn't have results. And I'm sure that's what they were thinking with Cloud9, but after the mm-hmm. performance, I can understand they're just banned. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's it's weird for... It's weird for players to insist on financial stability for a team that they don't intend to lend any stability to themselves. Like, and I, that's that's... Mm. That comes across a little harsher than I mean it, but like I mean, Dota players are willing to disband at the drop of a hat, and like I'm not saying that makes them wrong. It's just it's kind of weird to see that like like well, we really need to set ourselves up for the long term. And it's like you don't know if you'll be here in a month. <laughs> I think that's, that's more of like strange. an org based thing. You want you want to make sure you have money. You want to have a sponsor yeah. set up for the long. That's term. totally fair because you'll be more attractive then. Like you can get top tier talent if you have top tier cash sure sure that's fair speaking of of that top tier cash oh, we burning won't be collecting it for, for a little while yep because he's going to be taking a break from dota yeah joining anna in their their year-long vacation is it year-long is that i don't know how long i think anna is out for the season Anna's Anna's out for the season. Burning's out for a while, but you know he could come yeah, back after a couple of majors or something, or you know, like he could be picked up by a team that like has enough people to qualify but yeah, yeah. needs. Um, it's just it's it's. I feel like Burning is like the Chinese fear, right? <laughs> yeah, he's he's China's he's China's old man Dota. Um, and and much like fear, he's one of those people I just can't see staying away from the game for too long. Yeah. Um. I don't know, like, I keep, you know, 
every time I think he's like, oh man, burning's back, he just starts to, he's like his place starts to seem really tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't mean tired like stale. I mean like he seems tired. Yeah. Um, and then every time I'm like, oh, burning's done, he does some amazing shit that re- make, reminds me why he's fucking burning. Um, I don't know. I I hope that this break is is sort of you know peace of mind for him, and he can come back recentered. Or, I mean, shit. I don't know how good his English is. He might. He seems like he'd be pretty good in a commentary role. Yeah, I mean, anyone who sticks around long enough, if they wanted to, could probably move into commentary or analysis. Well, and if if I'm remembering Scuttlebutt from behind the scenes at all well, which I could totally not be, but I seem to recall that he's a decent communicator as well. I so. cannot remember. Yeah. See, yeah, I was a blur. It's just, it's all gone for me. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's, I, I would really, like, one of these days we're going to get to the point where a lot of these names are really genuinely, like, retiring, and it's going to be a fucking bummer. Yep. But hey, we'll have we'll have new fresh faces, like Tomato, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, Cinderin, Cinderin's gotten back into the game. We don't, <laughs> we don't need to do a full thing on that, but, like... He's coming back again. He's he's never done. He's never done. Yeah, complexity. I think back in some form. I don't know. They're not doing yeah. well enough for me to to care at the moment. You want to you want to talk about team that's coming back that we care about. Let's talk about the TI six incarnation of MVP Phoenix. Yeah, QO MP Forev Dubu and Febby. The the, the, the like the stack that made MVP Phoenix. Like put them really on the map, yeah. yeah. Like made them made them for a while tier one talent, and I think they're down to tier two, but maybe they'll get back. Um, just that like hyper aggressive Dota style, yeah. that, like you know, like Phantom Lancer mid plus Spirit Breaker, like that kind of like fuck you Dota. Yeah. Um, I mean the meta right I'm, now is is closer to that, really. Mm-hmm. I mean Spirit Breaker did pretty well at TI. Yeah. I am I'm excited about this. I I loved that watching that team. I I you know I worry that they're going to find themselves to be uh, too too one-dimensional again. Like I feel like that was that was that incarnation's problem was that they were they had one thing. They were run at you Dota and that was it. They had no other plan. Um and if the run at you failed then they failed. Yeah. And I like these players have scattered to the wind. They worked on other teams, but on other teams, it seems like they're still trying to play run at you, Dota. Um, we'll see. Maybe they've picked up a few more, a few yeah. more strats. They've had time to think about and, and fail when they've tried those strats. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And you know, not you know, if if it just means like, oh, they're not winning tournaments, they're just placing and having a good time. Like that's not a terrible place to be. Dota players don't tend to accept that as yeah. a good fate, but like. I don't know if you're finishing in the money constantly and and putting on a good show. I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. No, not at all. Especially when everybody keeps being so damn good. Competition yeah. just keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. Got another Asian team. <laughs> Forgot that MVP Phoenix. They're Korean, right? That's the Korean organization. Yes. Right. yes. Yeah. Got a Chinese team. All of newbies going to be sticking together, which interesting because they did so well in TI, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I, the I don't know. It's, impact them. It seems like it's the, um, I feel like second place, I don't know, maybe I'm just making this up, that definitely happened, you know, with, with... no, DC changed out their, that's right, DC changed out their offlane. But hmm. I don't even remember who hmm. DC was, or is anymore. Well, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. DC became Thunderbirds, became, became Planet Odd, that's the one I was talking dead. about. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, I think I remember. Where they had... Uh, they had uh, Moo, and they changed him out for Moon Meander. Right, right. Um, which was uh, a downgrade. Sorry. Moon Meander, you're good, but Moo is pretty amazing. That was a bad call. Um, yeah, I was going to say that that's what second place does, and then I realized I was full of shit. So, <laughs> Yep, so it's uh, Moogie, S, Triple C, KP, Kaka, and Faith will be together for the foreseeable future. Yep. Um... So we talked about it uh, last week, and I think I'm pretty sure we confirmed the names. I'll just I'll just make sure though. Um, the PPD team is indeed PyCat, CC, and C, Zai, Misery, and PPD. Yep. He is stepping down from CEO. He is stepping up to the plate. He is stepping on your face. Here we go, Peter. He's back. Yep. 
So I'm, I'm glad Zai's at least with PVD. That's good, good mm-hmm. to know for sure. It's an interesting team for sure. It's weird to see. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna say one comment and then two a little bit of shit talk. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. It's weird to see Zion in the offlane. That's interesting. I wonder how that'll go. Hmm. I don't think CC and C is very good. I don't have I that don't impression think, either. I don't think PyCat is safe lane carry material. Ba-boom. What did he play at Navi? I don't remember. I think he was their offlaner. Like, once upon a time. I remember... In the days of your... Yeah, he's... I don't know. I don't even know which incarnation I'm talking about at this point. Yeah. Um... I can't He's even been find the tweets. <laughs> all over the fucking place. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I I remember him, like, one of my videos that I remember of him is him, like, doing an amazing, like, axe call with a bunch of dunks, so that's not safe lane, but it could just be my memory playing tricks on me. Um, and who knows how this, you know, amalgamation of people will work together. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting Yeah, thing. you know. And I don't, I don't dislike PyCat, I just, I, you know... I think of Zai, Misery, and PPD as top tier players, mm-hmm. and then to me, CC and C and and Pycat seem a little a little like odd men out. Yeah, at that least their their names roster. haven't been around in a while. Yeah, and, and maybe that's just because they haven't been in a position to you know have a great team around them. Yeah, maybe I mean, hey, PPD sees something in them. Must be must be something there, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, PPD master drafter. Obviously, he'll carry them to victory by picking Necrophos every single game. God fucking damn it. <laughs> Brings What's up, us to our, to our one phrase topic. Please, just nerf Necro. Ghost Shroud is so good. He has a 56 to 57% win rate right now. And his pick rate is like fourth or fifth in the game beyond the usuals, of like Invoker and Pudge and shit and Bloodseeker. Let me ask you a question. How do you beat Necrophos mid? How do you win that lane? He's not actually that strong early, is the thing. No, he, he's not. You don't let him get CS. Can't. You perform your best in the first like two minutes of the game, and if you get the upper hand, you'll, you'll get smashed by the enemy mid laner if it's a decent mid laner. But like, here's the thing, is like, with a wand, he's immortal. <laughs> With a wand, you hit wand, you hit you hit ghost shard, and ooh, you hit ghost shroud, then you hit wand, and you're back to full HP, no matter how low you were, and probably full mana too. <laughs> he's he's his sustain is just unreal. It's just it's so annoying to play against. Like it's only fifty, well, only fifty percent. I don't know fifty some percent is pretty pretty fucking high. But it's just so annoying that if he manages to get like the last the killing shot in a team fight on a hero. Bam, he has an instant 150 regen just because of his Q, because of a passive attached to his Q. Mm-hmm. Death Pulse or whatever the hell. And yeah. if he can see us in lane well, like you don't have a good CS, like a, a more strong CS hero against him, then he's just going to have really nice regen. Uh, it's just so annoying. <laughs> Especially if he it's, gets ahead. And I'm just, just... I'm going to get a Radiance. I'm going to get... And an ags where his ult is every 25 seconds. Boy, boy, that's tilting. It's just really annoying to play against. Mm-hmm. It's time for a nerf, <laughs> please. I feel like the the um the change you should make here. Here's a way to nerf Necrophos. If someone else kills the target during scythe, if the scythe isn't what kills them, they don't get the extra respawn time. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Too hard? Too rough? I'm trying. I have never thought of it. No, no, that seems fine. That seems fine. Yeah, Necroscythe does so much fucking damage. That's it fine. It does so much damage, and it's this huge disable. That'll be and... a nice nerf. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you need to do something that seems like reasonable. It doesn't completely cripple his laning phase. He'll still be a huge pain in the ass that everyone hates. Yeah. So uh, don't worry about that. Yeah. Just... If you want, because I'm, I'm assuming you want to keep the region and stuff, and I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that that can be a cool thing that happens. It's just I think with the rest of this shit, it's mm-hmm. too annoying. Too annoying. Make it yeah. out. So the other unstoppable force in Dota, in current Dota, 
is, of course, the OpenAI Shadow Fiend mid-bot. Sweeping the nation. No one can beat it, at least not without cheating. No one can beat it without using some kind of exploit or trick that baffles its AI. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. No one has done it. Literally no one. Literally nobody besides a few people at TI. And Black. Well, okay, so my understanding is the people at TI used... Like, I didn't know if everybody exploits. did it. Yeah, that's true. I have never viewed yes. all 30-something or over 30 that did it. But Black is back. He started streaming again, which is great. I like to watch. I mean, EE plays a carry. I play a carry a lot, too. It's it's nice to watch EE and stuff and watch him play carries, but there's only so much EE you can take sometimes. So it's nice to get some variety. Watch Black, another one of my favorites, because Animage is one of my favorite heroes. and He's an Animage guy. Also, like, during a stream, he... It was in demo mode, so I don't know if this was real. When ruptured, he manta-dodged rupture damage after a blink with Animage. Hmm. Which would be huge if just, if actually works, but you can't actually test anything in demo mode because demo mode, for some reason, due to servers and stuff, I'm sure, isn't real Dota. So I'd have to actually go into a lobby and test it, but that's too much work for me to do. What do you what do you yeah. expect here? But he but, has so he, indeed beaten the OPA, open AI. He did, so when I say no tricks, he did Shadow Fiend versus Shadow Fiend. He didn't do any like weird like creep pull through the jungle exploits or anything. He just fought the Shadow Fiend, did a few jukes, they and just, killed it twice. They bumped chests and they were doing stuff, and he barely eked out a kill. That was good. And then he barely eked out a second kill. Like even though he'd gotten the first kill, the second one was still really close too. Yeah. Because against any other player who didn't know, well, in another situation, you know, just a tiny, tiny decision either way would have, you know, he would have gotten killed both times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first kill he got, the the, the open AI uh, bot was, like, fighting him, you know, trading hits with him, and uphill missed twice yeah. during that fight. And if he hadn't, he would have won. Um, So I feel like, like... I I don't want to take anything away luck from Black's win. Yeah. It's a big win, but there was a little bit of luck there, and I don't think that, I don't think we have solid repro, if you will. Yes. Um, I don't know that he could necessarily do it consistently. Yeah, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Definitely, the AI isn't getting any better. Don't rise worry, up AI against the robots. Smarter. We're just getting smarter. No, right. That's what they want you to think. MMR is a burning thing. Every loss, such a painful sting. You know, your game is bungled. When your hero pick the here legion jungle. When I solo queue, they always first big legion jungle. When rate goes down, 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 I want to end this eternal struggle. They're so bad, bad, bad. The pig legion jungle. The pig legion jungle. Na 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 when we solo queue, let's swear to not pick Legion Jungle. We look like clowns, clowns, clowns. We ought to be a bit more humble. Just have some PMA. The big Legion Jungle. This week's episode of Bottle Crow is brought to you by being a part of your team. When you're being a part of your team, you truly are being the best version of yourself. And we mean that. By being part of your team, not only are you contributing to the goals of your team with regards to destroying the enemy's ancient, but you're also not actively sabotaging your team by throwing away their chances at stomping their lane opponent. For more information about being a part of your team, visit the closest lane to your position or reach out to the good folks in your team through text or voice chat. Being a part of your team. 
the alternative to playing Dota like it's a single-player game. Nick, Smarter is not what I would describe my idea for our Ags of the Week this week. Yeah, you asked me, we're like, okay, let's record, and like, hmm, Nick, can I do a stupid thing? <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure. So, yes, our Ags of the Week is Dragon Knight. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you and Emily have done Dragon Knight before. Yeah, and I was, I was decently happy with our ideas back then. As I, as I recall, um, my idea was kind of like, um, there was some benefit when you were a dragon. I don't remember what it was. And then the like the knight form, you had like a Final Fantasy style like Dragoon Leap, which uh, Nick compared to Legion from uh, League of Legends. And I looked mm. or not Legion Pantheon, Pantheon from League of Legends. Whatever. Fucking... I don't know. He like he, he leaps up into the air no, and then he reappears. That's totally that totally sounds about right. I looked it up and I was like, oh okay. yeah, no, that's basically what I did. Yep. Cool. Um, but it was cool. I guess I'll go first. I've realized in that same vein. I, I promise this hat this realization i came to came after i made it my my ult my ult my god my agonims for dk your god my god my god for dk let's let's get to the content here sometime (laughs) is oh i forgot i forgot what i named it it adds a skill for dk when i didn't decide this i think he just permanently gains this skill yes in either form what he does he has to plant for a few seconds, and then he gets five like artillery shots. If he's in dragon right. form, he actually spits them out. If he's in uh, dra- uh, knight form, he just kind of like raises his sword and calls it down from the heavens because he's got the spirit of a dragon. And these are just AOE fireball blasts. You could put a bunch of effects on them if you want. Actually, I think it gains every effect that his uh, dragon form right click has, but doubled. And it also hits towers. And he gets five of these. Now this is, I think, current Xerath's ult in uh, League of Legends 2, basically. But, hey. Huh. So, if if I may, what DK problem are you addressing? I don't think you have to address a problem with eggs. I think it's one route you have to That's take. Fair. That's this fair. is a, I want to create a decision, you know, like a lot of bags kind of do not just a numbers buff which can be good you know and they have their place but like we did with uh dark seer last week or two weeks ago you know they're kind of boring this you know if you're dk normally you just want to be in there you're big you're tanky you push well however you could get this ags and these fireballs do a shit ton of damage so you could just plant for a few seconds sacrifice your push and power you're right clicking and do something else and also the the gold investment isn't the stats are okay. It's not really awesome for DK though. Mm-hmm. So, and it looks fun. Looks cool. So before people mention, uh, Emily's eggs idea was basically that the dragon and the knight could separate, and that it like, <laughs> and you, you play had lone to keep. Druid. Well, like the that well, sort cool. of, but like the knight became like like this like as I recall, like this sort of like this charred husk, and like you, if he died, the knight, the dragon died, but the dragon could die and he'd be okay. So lone druid, this, this weird thing. Yeah, is is there was there was more to it. I'm not remembering okay. all the t- details, but it was kind of oh, a lone druid thing. Yeah. Um, I I remember on Twitter I accused it of being two dragons, which I then remembered, of course, was her Jakiro eggs idea. Um, so. This Dragon Knight Ags idea is probably the most overly complicated kind of dumb idea, like janky idea, I've ever had for this show. I'm proud of you. Um, You won't be in a minute, <laughs> but that's okay. Because, um, so, the first thing I need to mention is probably the jankiest part of this whole thing. This Ags to, it. well, okay, part of it works just by getting eggs, right? Which is that dragon form, your dragon form duration is now like a buff that you have on you. It's a resource and you can toggle dragon form and while it's on, it consumes that time and while it's off, that time is restored. Okay. It's like, it's like continuous charge based. It's like charges, yeah. but it's continuous instead of discrete numbers. Okay. 
Right, right. It's like, okay, I burned three seconds of dragon form time. Now I'm down to, I don't know, is it like 37 seconds of duration? And then it will slowly replenish. Seems fine. Now that's one part of it. The other part is the janky thing, right? (laughs) So first off, you have to have power treads to get access to this. Uh Uh-huh. I know that's janky. (laughs) I know that's a mess. Now what this does... what, regardless of everything I'm about to say, you always get all the benefits of your current level of your ult. In addition, based on the current state of your treads, when you transform, you transform into different dragons. <laughs> if you have your treads on agility, you, sw- you turn into a Viridian dragon, or if you prefer, a super poison dragon. Your primary stat is now agility. Your strength and agility stats are switched. This includes all bonuses from items. Also, your Q is now wider. Its sort of effect is like poison and fire. It does magic damage over time and a movement speed slow. Okay. If your treads are on strength, you turn into a scarlet dragon or a super red dragon, if you prefer. No stat change, because that's strength. Uh-huh. Your Q is wider and longer, and all targets hit have, reduced, have their healing received reduced by 50% for a short time. If your treads are on int, you turn into an azure dragon or a super blue dragon, if you prefer. Your primary stat is now intelligence. Your strength and int are switched. This includes bonuses from items. Your Q is the same area of effect, but now it is a cone of ice and it roots targets when hit. In addition, you get a special effect on your dragon blood called indomitable, where stuns and roots on DK last half as long. It's obviously insanely <laughs> OP and complicated. I'm scary. You had a really shit early game. On- <laughs> you told, you told uh, honestly, me to I have go no ham. I wish I was 4.7k. <laughs> um, you told me I could go ham, so I went ham, was, Nick. That was, I'm so proud of you. Look at you. Look, at, <laughs> look what a bad influence I've been on you. <laughs> that, that, was, that was some Nick shit. That was great. If I'll, you could I'll balance this, I think it'd be super I'll cool. Take it. I'll we'll run it up the, the flag post to, uh, to Ice Fraud and Surge. <laughs> so the things I like about these ideas, I like your Q being Changed. more relevant at the late game. Yeah. And also changing. I like Dragonform being a resource. I like representing the various forms of dragons. Because right now what happens is like you're a poison dragon, then you're a red dragon, then you're a blue dragon... And you're never green or red ever again. Those forms are just like inferior forms that are forgotten. Yeah. You gain the effects, but not the colors. Right. I come from the tradition of Dungeons and Dragons and also World of Warcraft, where dragons are powerful in all forms. And I want to respect that proud heritage (laughs) with this terrible Ags idea. (laughs) This is 4,200 gold. Yeah, maybe it should be. What like happens if you have gold. brown? I think if you have brown boots, you should change into a brown dragon, or no, a uh, an earthen dragon, or if you wish, if you prefer, a super brown dragon. Nick, that sounds really complicated. And I'm your trying Q to keep acts things simple like an and straightforward. From tiny, and it's many stuns in the area as well as the normal effects. I feel like you're making fun of me. <laughs> right I am, but at the same fair. time, I think it should be real. I mean, like, I if we wanted a special effect for every form of boot, I guess we could do that. <laughs> and if you but... have BOTs, you become a... Uh... You'd have to be a gold dragon. But, but Colin, we all know gold is the worst color. Gold dragons are powerful. I'm not saying but they're cool because gold is lame. Gold is, yeah. gold is shit. Colin Detmar 2017. Well, don't get boots of travel on Dragon Knight then, okay? Why? What, if, what about level two boots of Wait, travel? What happens if you have multiple pairs of boots? <laughs> two feet, two boots. You become two dragons. <laughs> Emily returns. Uh, so this is the worst idea I've ever had. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but it's great. And I, I appreciate you bringing us this today, Colin. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us. So we're going to close on a better thing to talk about. I don't know how that could possibly be. So, um, Hellraisers uh, made TI, and they didn't get super far, but they, they made TI. Yeah, 
still and big for a mature team or a, mm-hmm. a lower tier team. Sorry. And they made TI without doing a boot camp. Hmm. Um, and one of their players, uh, Milan, wrote a a small piece on uh, the sort of the pros and cons, or mostly just the cons, I guess. He he seemed to be he seemed to be pretty against boot camps. Um, and uh, so oh, just real quick, not to not to dunk on Milan, but I think this is a good example of me saying like Kuroki is an unusually good writer for a pro player because this article isn't like mind blowing. Yeah. Um, but it's a good jumping off point to talk about boot camps and the benefits they actually have for teams and players. So Milan's argument here is that boot camps are kind of disadvantageous because there's issues of personal space. It's harder to concentrate. And uh, he basically, he does concede like, you know, team spirit can be good because you sort of, you're, you've all been playing together and you sort of get that, that sense of team unity, but it's not necessarily worth the sacrifice of all the distractions from playing and living with your team and from, you know, just not having that, that sense of personal space. Mm-hmm. Right. What do you think about that? I have many thoughts. I can understand. I mean, I think I would be the same way. Like you have, you're used to your desk. You're used to, you know, where you live, where your apartment is, wherever your hometown. And that's like where you're comfortable. That's where you're comfortable playing Dota and stuff. And then to go to a boot camp like this, I would be really annoyed if I had to like, you know, with our, our WLDL team. Oh yeah. By the way, we're Colin and I are playing in another league again. We'll, we'll have to announce more when, when we know more. Um, however, I think for, if you're a pro team, if you're a professional player, you kind of have to suck it. Suck it up. That's actually, those yeah. actually are different expressions. One of That's them true. implies <laughs> yes. a sexual you act. You have to just um, suck it up. Like I can understand, I can understand and in, in like, I would agree with an argument like, Hey, boot camps aren't all that. Like there's definite downsides to them and especially like living with Mm -hmm. your team in close proximity tensions would flare if you know things even if you are all friends and you all work great together and you're all like normally chill and have great synergy it can still be stressful to have to deal with the same people over and over and over for you know 20 24 hours a day right Mm -hmm. but i i don't know getting in the end you can't play ti from your bedroom exactly so I don't know. I think you have to like it's a good it's good practice, not just practice in Dota, but like practicing being more abstracted from your environment, perhaps being you know tougher in your constitution when it comes to how you play Dota, not like how you actually play the game, but how you are interfacing with the game and stuff like that. Just minor things like that that I think you know, especially if you're more new and you haven't been to too many big events, it's it's good. You, you need to practice. Like, you have to get used to that kind of thing, I would think. Mm-hmm. What about yeah, you? I think, like, I, I, I pretty much agree with you. I think, like, he talks about, like, oh, it's so distracting to have all these other people around. And, like, oh, you know, yeah, I feel like I don't have my personal space. Like, my dude, that's what TI is. You're going <laughs> to yeah. be with your team a lot at TI. Yeah. And if you can't, if you haven't trained yourself to handle being around your team, TI is going to go real bad for you. Yeah. Uh, by the way, not to be mean, but how did TI go Hellraisers? Um like yeah, you got there and then maybe there wasn't the team synergy, maybe you weren't used to being in each other's presence and you irritated each other and you didn't play your best. Like yeah. definitely a, it's, a reasonable thing that could happen. And it's I just think like, there's a certain it's every yeah. little thing that like reduces your play, especially as a team. Yeah. I mean, like, if you could telepresence into P- T- TI, maybe this would work out. But you can't. Or any, you know, major tournament. Most of the major tournaments are lands. Most of the major tournaments, you're going to be there. Yeah. Um, and I think there's an argument to be made about, like, length of boot camps and intensity of boot camps where it's or like... frequency. Right. Where, like, there's an argument where it almost becomes, like, like crunch in game development, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, is it really beneficial for us to, like get ourselves together and run ourselves ragged playing Dota to a, a degree that is like 
going to create problems, right? Like we would have no problem under ordinary circumstances. And if it was just at a tournament, we could suck it up. But here we are on our own time playing Dota for, you know, 10, 12 hours a day mm-hmm. with each other. And we're going to drive ourselves crazy and create rifts that otherwise wouldn't exist. I think that's definitely a, a potential problem that you need to keep in mind. Um, However, but you got to get used to being near each other. <laughs> yeah. And I can see where this has like a role, like every once in a while. And, you know, you mentioned game development stuff like, sure. Every once in a while, you're going to have to like not you can have to work more than 40 hours a week or something like that's just how yeah. some types of things go. And of course, it's nuts to just do this over and over and over. Because at a certain point, it's like, come on, guys, we just gotta, we gotta keep working hard at it. It's not, it's not that. That's not a real, that's not beneficial. However, to not do it at all, or to do it too little, then you're, you're underprepared or like things just don't get done. It's good to do the thing, do this boot camp, and then analyze what happens. Like, you're gonna have to fix these things as a team if you wanna succeed anyways. So, Get them out in the air, like start shitting on each other, getting really frustrated, realize, okay, in our team house, we need to have, you know, one person's bedroom away from the other person sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I and also, like, I, I don't, I don't want to place too much stock in this. I don't necessarily want to encourage anything. I just, I am making an observation here, right? I think you would agree that Wings Gaming is still the most effective, strong team we've ever seen. At their peak. Yeah, yeah, probably. Just because they came in with such a, a different way of playing. And one of the big secrets to this team of people that hadn't really been, like, made... They were never Tier 1 until suddenly they were the most Tier 1 there was. Was that they ran their team house like a non-stop boot camp, really? basically. I mean, like... Not quite as intense, but pretty close. They had really strict rules about, like, who could come over, about what games you were allowed to play, about how much Dota you had to play every day. They were fucking intense. Mm -hmm. And they were intense for a long time. Yeah. And I don't, like, I don't know. I don't want to... Listen, I can't... It's hard because I've never been to any kind of Dota boot camp. I can't come here and be like, well, it's really like the way they, it's unethical. They need a union. This was awful. I don't think it's necessarily just Dota, though. I think you can, like, Wings did this, right? And for Mm -hmm. them, it worked. Like, if you have a group of people who work together, are, like, dedicated to this, even if they don't enjoy doing it, they... They do this nonstop, like, crunch. Like, they're crazy passionate. They they want it really badly, so they do this. You can't just say, guys, you know, we're a five-stack in the AD2L. We're just going to play 10 hours of Dota Gay a day in the same house, and we're, we're just going to win this league. We're going to do it. It's not, like, an automatic win. It's, like, if you have this ideal group, uh, then it works. It's like the Beatles. Before they were super famous... They were, uh, where were they? They played some, like, gig. No, they played one place in Germany for, like, eight hours a day, every day. They just played over and over. at uh, It's like a bar or something. Some, it's a big entertainment there, mm-hmm. maybe beer garden. And that's, like, they were the right group of people. Like, if another band went and just played full time at some place, they would probably kill themselves, like, kill each other. And just, you know fall apart instantly but if you have a right yeah. group of people if you've got this the team synergy oh look at that we're bringing it around at the end then it's going to be great and that's what you need and that will propel you forward to ti greatness and i think everyone needs to like there's sort of this uniform idea of what a boot camp is and i think that needs to change i think boot camps need to be more tailored to the team i think it would be and better. i think we could yeah, if they do that. i think we could draw more out of people i think we could get mm-hmm. like i don't know like <sighs> sports psychologists are going to be a great thing when they're more common for teams because they're just a good thing. Um, I think there's no there's no one size fits all solution for people or for minds, and I think like that's where a great coach and manager come in. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, I I I don't like. What do you think the ideal boot camp is for EE? You know, like <laughs> yeah. for, and like. How does that contrast if you have EE on the same team as, I don't know, I don't know players enough to make another example, but someone who has a completely different, like like this guy, like Milan, I'm going to guess that Milan 
has very different ideas about how you should play Dota than EE. Mm-hmm. And, like, how do you meet in the middle? Because you're both at the same boot camp. And, yeah. like, there's... I feel like there's a science here that hasn't yet been discovered that's going to be it's more really of an, fascinating. It's more of an art. There. It's, it's what the coaches and managers do, basically. Yeah. Well, what yeah. they should do. What, what their job should be if they want to be, like, really effective and help their team. And that's such a big takeaway for me is, like, in this, this newer era of Dota, this, this post-Wings Dota... <laughs> is we're realizing, like, players have gotten just so good. Like, some players are better than others, but that doesn't matter that much anymore. Once you're a certain level, you're just... And, you know, like, the outplays happen. But so much of it now is strategy and synergy and drafting and avoiding burnout and team spirit and team cooperation and management and analysis and such is becoming more and more and more important all the time. Yeah, it's more like how how your amazing players inter interlock because there's so many amazing players. It's not necessarily I would say that uh, individual skill doesn't matter. It's that it can just like be negated if it can your be team is working. Yeah, like it can just not matter. He talked about well, he didn't you know throw flame, but he said for instance, hey, if we have Owie and he's the most amazing offlaner in the world, it doesn't fucking matter if the rest of your team can't capitalize that on that or they just that's not like a thing in your team to have an amazing offlaner. It it just won't matter. So, mm-hmm. and like we saw that, um, we saw like the article we talked about earlier with Kuroki talking about Ti and talk. He mentions the uh, the first game versus Secret, and I think Liquid was a stronger team than Secret. But that first game, they got crushed because they weren't able to leverage any of their advantages, and they were clearly shaken. Right? Like, Miracle was playing really clumsy. Um, He got ganked, like, I don't know, like, five times in the laning phase? He just got destroyed. And, like, he's better than that. But the psychology and the, the team synergy and, you know, like, morale and shit is such a big deal. Yeah. It's... I don't know. Dota's becoming... A, a more complicated game all the time, and it's getting more and more outside the game. Or maybe I'm, we're just becoming more aware of it. Maybe it's always been like this, and even the pros have always known this, but we're just becoming more conscious of it as the public. I probably, it probably matters more, I think, the, the more... I guess the more popular Dota is and the more amazing pros there are. The more high-skilled people there are, the less being high skill matters. It turns out. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to be it for this week. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. This has been another episode of Bottle Crow Reborn, which you can find on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you want to give us a rating or review there, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you want to spread the word to your friends and your Dota-playing buddies. Buddies. Let's say that as weird as I can. Buddies. Um, I want to give a big thank you to... Ready? 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 Thank you. Thank you. Harmonies of music. You got, if you're going to steal it, you can steal it. Nick, I was just can't. trying to alley-oop you here. Big thanks to okay, Promoti okay. for letting us use Harmonies of New Bloom. You can find it in-game in Dota 2. It's very nice. I normally have it equipped. Wonderful. Wonderful. I also want to give a big thank you to Ashley Ryan, a.k.a. Svimmy, which you can find on Patreon or on Twitter at, at Svimmy. She does art by commission, including our podcast art, the Bottle Crow with a Dagon. Very nice work, and we're, we're very grateful. I want to uh, boop, boop, Not think for a little while. My brain's just gonna go on if a little you vacation. How's it going? Us, uh, shout out by the way to Church Two Hundred Nine on Twitter who gave us the idea for doing DK Ags of the Week this week. Thank you, Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. can reach us on Twitter at Bottle Crow. Uh, you can find us otherwhere, other places too. I don't know how much have you already said in this outro. <laughs> Colin at bottlecrow dot com. Email. Yeah, or. BottleCrowReborn at gmail.com. And if you liked me, uh, <laughs> hi. <laughs> tell me. I need your approval. <laughs> no, I was going to say I've, I've got other work as well as uh, my friends of mine. We are at ScanlineMedia.com where we do video games criticism. We also do other podcasts and videos and such. And if you want to support that effort, and also this money does sometimes go to BottleCrow, you can go to Patreon.com slash ScanlineMedia and chip in any money there goes for new games or equipment, you know, like if we need a new microphone for the show, or if I need a game to review it, or something, you know, stuff. Nick, I love Dota.
love is in the air. Yes, indeed. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next time. Peace out. Later.